Welcome to the Sharing Our Journey podcast, a podcast ministry of Harrodsburg Baptist Church. I am your host, Jonathan Johnston, and with me today is student pastor David Carpenter. How's everybody doing today? And David, we are wrapping up our sermon series called The Way, Following Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. We have been in it for seven weeks now. I think that's right, yeah. And this is the eighth and final week. Uh, and we hope if you have followed along, we hope you've enjoyed our journey through uh, the shortest of the Gospels. Um, and if, if, if you haven't followed along, you have time to go back and, and get caught up. Uh, but we, uh, obviously, as most people did uh, in churches, we celebrated the resurrection last week through Easter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to revisit some of those verses today as we build into uh, your, your sermon context for the day. Uh, and so if you're following along with us, we're in Mark 16, and we're going to pick up in verse 5, which we covered last week, and we're going to go 5 through uh, the end of 8 uh, initially here. So Mark 16, 5 through 8. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a long white robe sitting on the right side. They were amazed and alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he told them. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has been resurrected. He is not here. See the place where they put him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. So they went out and started running from the tomb because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them. And they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. Jonathan, one of the darkest and most difficult years in all of American history was the year 1968. Uh, 1968 was a year that saw incredible uh, political strife and upheaval. Um, There were people in our country who were turned brother against brother that, you know, outside of of the Civil War, uh, this was a period where people's um, disagreements and uh, ideologies really came to to a head. Of course, 1968 saw uh, the assassination of John F. Kennedy, his his brother Robert uh, Kennedy, and it also saw the the murder uh, of Martin Luther King Jr., the civil rights leader. 1968 was the year that the Democratic National Convention in Chicago, um, that outside of it in the streets of Chicago, students, uh, college students, began to gather and protest, and um, from that. You know, we have brutal scenes of, of American um, police officers uh, and National Guardsmen literally turned against our own uh, citizens and citizens fighting against their government. 1968 was uh, one of the most bloody and deadly years in the Vietnam uh, War and the, the, the Tet Offensive uh, from the North Vietna- Vietnamese to the, to the South Vietnamese and U.S. and the, the deadly impact and the, uh, the overall... Um, gloomy feeling that surrounded that conflict kind of came to a head. In the midst of all of that year, the United States had been engaged in a space race uh, trying to beat the communist Soviet Union uh, to the moon. Of course, it was a, a vision that had been given by uh, President John F. Kennedy in the early uh, 1960s and that NASA had begun to uh, pursue. But in 1968, the space program in the U.S. kind of found itself in a lull. 
um, after the failure of the Apollo 6 launch. And then in September of 1968, the uh, Apollo astronauts and the engineers at NASA watched as the Russian spacecraft Zon 5 made the first circumlunar flight in all of history. They felt that they were light years behind uh, their, their adversaries. And they, they kind of found themselves in a moment that perhaps people listening to this, Christians across the world, churches, and maybe some of the followers of Jesus that we just read about here find themselves in. Kind of a moment where they go, what do we do now? Where, where do we go from here? What, 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 what's next? <laughs> and of course, you know, we've been in this series called The Way where we've been kind of exploring the, the fundamental principles of, of what it means to really be a follower of Jesus. What is Jesus inviting us into when he calls us to follow him? And of course, we know that those are, are the way of compassion, the way of joy, the way of faith, the way of humility, the way of suffering, and the way of resurrection, that Jesus invites us into those things. But today, what we're kind of looking and seeking to understand is the way from here. What do we do with this knowledge, with this heart change that we've experienced, maybe not just we've uh, come to understand who Jesus was, but you know, as you and I, Jonathan, have done, and I'm sure many of our listeners have done, come to in our hearts a place where we say, "Hey, I, I want to follow Jesus. I, I want to. I, I want to give my life to Jesus." What we're kind of looking at today is the 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 um, we're, we're attempting to answer this question: Where do we go from here? That on Easter Sunday, as, as we, we maybe get dressed up or we have special services, we have special time in the Holy Week season to reflect on, on what Jesus did for us. And, and there's this kind of this, this great build up to a, a moment that after it, sometimes I think we find ourselves in a place where maybe Jesus' early followers found themselves trying to, to parse out and understand where do we go from here. We just picked up where you left off and even kind of bled over into some of what you discussed last Sunday uh, from Luke chapter 16. There, uh, these uh, women come to the tomb of Jesus and they're surprised and shocked and they find it empty. There, uh, an angel uh, greets them and says, hey, Jesus is not here because uh, he's He's risen. And And in these few words here, I believe that we are given clear instruction of what we are called to do with the understanding that we have, with the life change that we've experienced of what Jesus has done. I think it's really, really simple if you look at it here in uh, verse uh, number seven, but go. Mm -hmm. So Jonathan, I think the first thing that we're seeing is that a life that understands who Jesus was We've uh, looked at these principles of what he's called us to do and what he emulated. The, f the first thing that we recognize is that if our lives have truly been changed by Jesus, we cannot stay mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. we, we, we can't uh, just live in that knowledge, but we have a, a mission before us. We have something that we've got to do. We've got to, as it says in verse 7, go tell. 
I think the first thing that Jesus' resurrection and the, the life change that we've experienced in Jesus calls us to is the way of proclamation. Mm. And I think, I think we see that very clearly here in the Scripture. Yeah, the, the, as you said, the instructions are, but go. <laughs> and then the very next word is tell, which you've just said proclamation. Um, you know, we, there is a command, uh, and let us be clear, a command to all Christians to tell, yeah. to proclaim. Uh, a lot of people love to use the quote that's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. No one can verify that he specifically said this, of preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. And, yeah. and that's great. We should live lives that are testimonies in themselves to the gospel. But Jesus' word tells us it's always necessary to use words. Yeah. Our actions shouldn't take away from the words is, is kind of the challenge. But pro- proclamation, as you said, is specific to this instruction. Tell his disciples and Peter. So tell uh, means to proclaim. Yeah. And we see this all throughout Jesus' story that people who experienced him couldn't help but talk about him. You think about um, the woman at the well who ran back into her town and said, come and meet a man who's told me everything I've ever done. Um, and you think about, um, you know, the uh, the people that even he told to remain quiet about what <laughs> he had done in their lives. And they just, they couldn't. Right. They couldn't help. But you, we hear time and time again through the Gospels that word spread throughout the region. Uh, think about the woman we talked about a, a few weeks ago where she word had spread that Jesus had come uh, to the area of Tyre and Sidon, that, that here we are seeing uh, that that the response to an act of Jesus in our life is to go and proclaim. And Jonathan, I love what you said in that, you know, we understand here that uh, there are, are spiritual gifts, that through God's Spirit, some of us have been given gifts that, you know, we— what my my dad's dad would have called the gift of gab, right? Like we can get <laughs> right, up, we right. can make a talk. Maybe we make some decently funny jokes that aren't really funny, but we like to think they are. And you know, <laughs> we can do that. Or, or maybe you know, we've got so many people in our our church who are are um, gifted at, at leading kids and and teaching kids. There are people in our our church who are gifted in leading and teaching students. There are people who are gifted in leading and teaching adults. But maybe you're saying, hey, that's that's not my gift. That's that's not what God called me to do is the ministry or the mission to uh, step into the way of proclamation still for me? And I would say certainly it is. And I think, you know, it's it's very amazing here. The first person who we see in Scripture preaching the gospel was a Palestinian woman. Mm-hmm. And in that culture in those times, women were not thought of as reliable. Women were not thought of as, as of course, they weren't offered education, so they weren't really considered intelligent. Most often they were seen through the prism of, of property or of mm-hmm. ownership. And so the first person here to preach the gospel, to proclaim that Jesus has risen from the dead, was not someone who had a theology degree, uh, not somebody who had been to Bible college, not someone who you know had any special gifting or a microphone or a stage or a Sunday morning service. Mm-hmm. But we see here that the first person to proclaim Jesus is alive was somebody who was very common, who brought all they all they brought to it was their personal experience. And that's I believe what you know the first thing we should be called to do when experiencing the way of Jesus, the way of resurrection, is simply, to step into the way of proclamation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and, and we see that throughout Scripture that God uses those outside the norm, mm-hmm. those that uh, they don't meet the world's preconceived ideas or 
qualifications. Yeah. Um, now, we're not saying there's anything wrong with training yeah. and and continuing your education and, and getting those qualifications. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not that God uh, doesn't use those people as well. Mm-hmm. But so often the people that are overlooked uh, are the ones who he uses to bring about the greatest change yeah. because it's, it makes sense. It's, it's through them that it's so obvious that it has to be a movement of God Yeah, where so many times in, in our human nature, if someone is qualified through human means, then it can become easy to give them more credit than they're due. I think we even fall into that in, in churches. Sometimes you and I both serve in a pastoral role, uh, there are a lot of times where people will say to me, hey, I've got this friend that I want you to talk to about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And they try to get me together with their friend as if their testimony of who Christ is and, and what he's done in their life isn't as qualified as mine because of the title that I have. And and the reality is, man, that friend would much rather hear from you, who they know personally, who they trust personally, than they would me yeah and there's there's some avenues uh there's some conversations you find yourself in life that as soon as you say you're a pastor it changes the dynamic of the conversation because people feel they have to be something around you that they're not around other people uh and i i try my best to get rid of that barrier like i try to say look be who you are (laughs) and i'm going to be who i am um but we do see that so often through Scripture that it's not those who meet the, the human standard. Uh, and in this case, it is women who, who he uses. Yeah. But even his 12, they were yeah. not, Yeah. they weren't social elite or, right. or religious elite. Yeah. And, and I think here, too, you've, you've, hit the, you've hit the nail on the head that, you know, we sometimes think that sharing the gospel is something that is complex, that requires a lot of scripture memorization. And yes, we believe that, you know, to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you do need, mm-hmm. you need God's word. That God's word is is the tool that he uses and his spirit. Those together are what draw people to God. But really the the base of of sharing what, what the good news of Jesus is, is sharing your experience, mm-hmm. telling your story. Mm-hmm. And like you said is so true is that you know, I have lived my life, and there are people that connect to my story, and there are people that would look at my life and see it as very different from theirs, that they would never connect to it, that it would be very odd for them, and that would not connect to my experiences. But you listening, Jonathan, you, there are experiences that you have had that I will never have. Mm-hmm. And there are people that you will touch that I will never touch. People you will experience life with that I'll never experience. Mm-hmm. And those are the very people that, you know, we have the greatest opportunity to share what Jesus has done in our lives. And that's as simple as it is. Proclaiming Jesus' good news is not uh, something that is complex or or requires a, a, a great deal of, um, you know, polished speech-making techniques, but it's something that requires an honest uh, conversation about Hey, this is who I was before Jesus. This is what Jesus did in my life. This is how I've changed since then. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that you know when we experience Jesus, when we step into the way, I think that that the the first thing that we are called to do from there, where do we go from here? We we go to the way 
uh, of proclamation. I think here you see it quickly in this verse here, verse 7, that it's not just the, the, the way of proclamation that we step into after experiencing all that Jesus has done. But I think the next thing we see is we see the ministry or the or the way of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. It says here, but go tell his disciples and Peter mm-hmm. that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what's cool is uh, if you're not familiar with the Easter uh, narrative that that before Jesus was crucified, he told Peter that he would deny him three times. That Peter, before the, the rooster crowed that morning, Peter would deny even knowing Jesus three times. And of course, just as Jesus had prophesied, Peter, one, two, three, sitting around the fire. And just as he did the third one, the rooster crows and Peter runs away in shame. Mm-hmm. Peter has found himself here in incredible shame that he has denied his Savior on his way to death. And Peter, at this moment, thinks does not know that that Jesus is going to rise again here thinks perhaps uh depending on Peter's beliefs we don't know exactly maybe that Jesus will rise at the end when mm-hmm. everyone rises there were some of those that some that thought that but there were some that thought there was no resurrection from the dead so you know here Peter finds himself in in shame and embarrassment that even though in the garden he was swinging a sword to try and keep Jesus safe mm-hmm. just a few hours later he's denying even knowing him mm-hmm. Here he looks, the angel speaking uh, and giving instruction here uh, to Mary at the tomb, says, go and tell the disciples and Peter. Oh, Jonathan, when we step into the way of following Jesus, I believe it is crucial and it is it is, um, element, it is a, an elementary step um, to, to following Jesus is to begin to step into the way of reconciliation, not just uh, telling people about Jesus, but bringing those who are far from God mm-hmm. back to God and mending broken relationships mm-hmm. and bringing the broken things on this earth back together. I believe that is an essential part uh, of our, our, our mission and ministry to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think reconciliation is something that is lacking in our world today. Uh, I think for, for multiple reasons, I think one, we have defined reconciliation or allowed the definition of reconciliation to become conflict resolution Mm -hmm. and conflict resolution is different from reconciliation conflict resolution is exactly what it says it's resolving the conflict so it's you and i have an issue with each other we come to an agreement on how to resolve the issue how to to end the war right but that doesn't mean that we're back reconciled to one another relationship wise from, from what we were previously. And so many times in life, it's so easy through hurts and different things that happen, differences of opinion, other things. It's so easy to just say, you know what? I, I can walk away from this relationship rather than being reconciled. Yeah. It takes great humility to be reconciled. Even though this, like I love that that the statement is made here for Peter first. Mm-hmm. That that just shows the greatness of God reaching those who are far from him, those who, who feel at odds with him. But it still takes humility on Peter's part oh, yeah. to complete this, this story and to be reconciled. Because to be reconciled, you have to admit that you played a part in, in the break. Yeah. You played a part in, in the fracturing. Um, and I just think it's something that's so lacking in our society. So many times we, we discard 
or discount relationships yeah. over small trivial things. Yeah. I, because we don't want to put the, the work of reconciliation in. Yeah, we, we live in a culture that sometimes I think celebrates pettiness, that celebrates bitterness and anger and, oh, this person did you wrong, girl. You're better than that. Write them off. You don't mm. need them. And, hey, you know, this is not a statement. If, if you're in a relationship where someone is uh, abusing you, where someone is taking advantage of you, we are not saying to stay in a place where, where someone is hurting you. That mm -mm. is not, do not hear no. those words no. from what we are saying. <laughs> No. But what we are saying is that in our world that uses uh, emotional or, or philosophical differences as kindling to start a fire that burns bridges, step into a, a mindset and a ministry, a way that says, no, we're here to reconcile people back together because the goodness of God can be experienced through them because the love of God is there for them because Jesus died for them and they have value in that. And, and our, our mindset and our mission should be to continually bring the broken things back together. And Jonathan, you did a great job saying this, but, but not just those who are far from God, mm -hmm. but even people within our own churches who have disagreements because back in 1972, we said that we were going to, you know, get blue bubble gum for the children's Christmas play, and they got pink bubble gum for the children's Christmas play, and they knew that I hated pink bubble gum. They did that just to spite me, and I'll never speak to them again. They've sit in the same churches for years and years and years. I mean, really, truly, uh, you know, we have in, in our own uh, communities of faith, there are those mm -hmm. who need to be brought back together. And I've I felt for many, many years that, man, if, if you can get two people who are of, of like faith, who we've been transformed by Jesus and are filled with His Spirit, if we can get them in the same room and get them to start praying for each other, and I don't mean just God bless, you know, Susie in Jesus' name, amen, but Lord, be with their family and pray for their children by name and for their future and their career, and that God will continue to bless them and that God will watch over them, and protect them. Man, there's a lot to be done in in the the way of reconciliation, of bringing the broken things and, and the hurting people back to a place of wholeness. And, you know, our, our world and our culture is in of, uh, in no lack of hurting broken people. They're all around us. Mm -hmm. And yes, we're called to proclaim what Jesus has done, but also to reconcile those broken things back to back to, to wholeness and back to the heart of the Father. Yeah. And, and we see that here modeled for us yeah. in the fact that here's the one who denied Christ, denied even knowing him. And this instruction from the angel is clear. Tell his disciples and Peter. Yeah. It's not an indicator saying, well, Peter's no longer a disciple. That, that's not what's in this statement. It's a statement of, hey, I want, I want Peter specifically to know yeah. that I will see him in Galilee. Uh, it's the same thing we see when Jesus was, um, and, and we'll see later, um, if you continue in Scripture, it's the same thing Jesus does for Thomas. Mm -hmm. It's it's that individualized touch to say, "Hey, I, I want you to know, yeah. I see you, and I hear you." Yeah, uh, and and that's that's what God does. I mean, he he leaves the ninety and nine yeah. to go and find the one. Yeah. Uh, it's it's that personal touch. We have a personal Savior and a personal uh, Lord, and. Um, it's just very powerful that, that in the midst of everything going on, yeah. the thought is still given to say, hey, 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 make sure Peter knows. Yeah. Right? I've okay. risen just as I, I said. Yeah. 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 That he's not here. Um, yeah. I, I think that's so 
incredibly powerful. And, and Jesus continually brought people back, brought people back, brought people back. And, and that's something we see through, through following him mm-hmm. is how he has done that for us so many times. Mm-hmm. That though we have trusted him, that we still, you know, every day there are times where we choose, choose sin Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we, we choose our own selves and, and you know, those, those angry thoughts that pop into our head and, and you know, the, the things that, that, that grab a hold of us that, that maybe we feel like we can't even control sometimes, but mm-hmm. how Jesus is f- forgiving continually and reconciling continually. And Jonathan, I'm, I'm challenged to think, you know, how our community and our world might change if, if the people of God truly went into our, our world looking to bring people back to reconciliation mm-hmm. how would our workplace change if instead of the the gossipy water cooler conversations uh or the i don't like this person in this department because they did this thing what what if we sought people's forgiveness if we offered people ours if we how would how would our marriages mm-hmm. change mm-hmm. If, if we really truly stepped into the way of reconciling with each other and others back back to God. I, I think that, man, there would be so much that would be said about who we are as Jesus followers if we truly lived that way. Mm-hmm. Of course, as we wrap up this chapter, you probably, if you're looking at the scripture right now, maybe you have a, a mind in uh, parentheses here, a, a heading uh, that we, you'll read after you read verse 8. And uh, uh, Jonathan, as we were planning even this series months ago, and I knew I was going to preach on this Sunday, uh, there was some caution and concern uh, for me when uh, I approached this portion of Scripture. Now, Jonathan, we as a church, we confess and, and we believe that Scripture is given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It comes from God, that God's Word was settled through the blood of Jesus Christ forever in heaven, and that the Word of God is given to us and it is our, our, our benchmark for doctrine, for reproof, and for all things that we base mm-hmm. our church community on really two things, on the person of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and the Word of God. Mm-hmm. So this is a statement that, that I want you to understand is not anybody in this room saying we don't believe God's <laughs> Word. Right. We do. Right. But it's important to know that verses 9 through uh, 15 uh, and, or 9 through 20, excuse through me, 20. to yep. the end of the chapter here in, in the, the Gospel of Mark, are not included in all of the manuscripts. Now, they may have been a part of the original manuscript, or there are those who believe that if you read these, these read very similarly to the ends of Matthew and uh, Luke. Mm-hmm. And people believe that Mark was transcribed very quickly. It was the first gospel written. And I mean, it was finished, some people think, as few as 30 years after Jesus rose from the dead, 30 to 70 years tops after Jesus rose from the dead, this manuscript was completed. So it was completed very quickly. And over time, because those other two gospels included mm-hmm. you know, what we're about to read, they thought, well, we should probably put this in here. Uh, as a way to kind of end the story, because it doesn't just end with Mary leaving uh, <laughs> right. the empty tomb, right? right. It's yeah. in, and it is important to know that Jesus didn't just uh, you know appear uh, to Mary, but then to his disciples, and then to the five hundred. So you know these are some important things that we get here. But whether or not they were included in Mark's uh, in in the original manuscript uh, of Mark's gospel, or whether they were copied from Matthew and Luke, 
We still believe they are true, and we still believe that they are inspired, but it is important for you to understand why that header is there. So having said that, we believe that following Jesus leads us into the way of proclamation, Mm -hmm. leads us into the way of uh, reconciliation, and lastly, what I believe, and when you read the end of the Gospel of Mark and you read the end of, of Matthew and Luke, which you'll see too, is that the the way of following Jesus leads us into the way of globalization. So where, where do we go from here, Jonathan? Well, in 1968, the Apollo astronauts found themselves behind in the space race in the darkest years of our nation's history. So what they did was they bumped the Apollo 8 mission in front of the Apollo 7 mission (laughs) and sped up the timeline of launches so that the Apollo 8's new mission would be to make the first manned circumlunar uh, trek to go around the moon. And I think they, man, I'm trying to tell you, they uh, rotated, they went around the moon, they orbited the moon, I think like 13 times or something like that. They went around the moon gathering data for the future moon landing and then returned to Earth. This was a a dangerous mission. This was a heralding mission. This required uh, an incredible amount of of work uh, on the part of Werner von Braun, the head of of NASA's rocket and you know uh, division, and and it took a lot of bravery on the parts of of the the men uh, who who went on there. Um, and um, what what we ended up seeing through that was on December twenty third of nineteen sixty eight. This. Apollo 8 mission launched, and on Christmas Day, America gathered around their TVs and watched one of the first broadcasts, the first broadcast of men at the moon. And maybe today, on the lull of the back end of an Easter celebration, or maybe today we look here to what Jesus said to his disciples— as he ascended into heaven, what we need to be challenged with is, yes, the way from here is the way of proclamation. Yes, it's the way of restoration, but where do we go from here? We go to the moon. What do I mean by that? Maybe not quite literally we go to the moon, but what we do is we take this good news of Jesus and we go to the ends of the earth. We go not just figuratively or, or geographically to every country and nation, which I think is the call here. Mm-hmm to the ends of the earth, which means to the darkest places, to the places with no hope, to the places uh, with, with, with um, in, in so desperately in need of good news. We take this good news that Jesus said, take uh, uh, the gospel into the whole world, go to the whole world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. We take this mission to the world. Mm-hmm. We take it to the challenging places, to the difficult places, to the places that require us to spend time and money and resources and invest emotionally, and we take this good news with us. And what, what I'm challenged to believe, Jonathan, is 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 what, what would happen in our world if we took this good news and ran into our schools and we ran into our workplaces and we ran into the, the darkness of the world and we, you know, we, we charged quite literally the gates of hell with all that we have received about the resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. The mission of Jesus, the way from here is that we, we, we step into a, a mindset of globalization that we'll sing it 
till the whole world hears, mm-hmm. till the whole world knows. And, and, and I don't want people to get afraid or go, well, David, you know, I, I've never been called to the mission field. I don't know any other languages. Jonathan, you know, since I moved to Kentucky, both of you, you and I are outsiders from the state of Kentucky. <laughs> right. You know, of course, we call this place home now. And love, I love this place, but we're both from Alabama. Moved to Kentucky five years ago. And since then, I've learned that in, I think, 2019, the CDC published a study that uh, 52 counties in America were at ra- risk of an AIDS epidemic because of needle sharing. 26 of those counties are in the state of Kentucky. Mercer County, Kentucky, where I sit right now, is one of those counties. Boyle County, Kentucky, where many of our church members live as well, is one of those, con- is one of those counties. Eight of the 10 poorest co- uh, counties in all of America are in the Appalachian Mountains of Kentucky. Yes, there is a mission to take the good news to the whole world. And, you know, I, I want to continue to encourage our church to have a mindset of, of missions. And, and why we ask people to give is because part of our money leaves this, not just this building, but leaves this, this city, this county, this state, and goes literally around the world to spread the good news of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Man, we don't have to go far even. I wonder sometimes if because of our familiarity with what Jesus has done in our lives, if we get comfortable where we are. We've got our, our Christian family and our Christian friends and we go to church and those are great things. I'm not hating on those. But maybe there's somebody whose mindset today needs to be challenged to say, hey, I'm going to take this good news and plunge into the darkness. I'm going to go to the, the broken homes. I'm going to go uh, to those struggling in addiction. I'm going to take this to my workplace where I know someone's going through a divorce. I'm going to take this to Mercer County High School or Boyle County Middle School or Bergen Independent Schools. I'm going to take this message of Jesus and give it to a classmate who I know is walking through difficulty. What would change in our world if we truly had this mindset that Jesus left us with to take the good news to the whole world, to the moon, to the dark places, to the difficult places, to the places where no one else is willing to reach. Jonathan, what, what would change in our world if, if our mindset was truly the globalization of the way? Yeah, you, a lot would change, right? We would see, um, we would see God's kingdom coming on earth as, as we've been commanded. That's the purpose behind the charge to go and to tell is so that the good news is presented that doesn't mean everybody's going to receive it. Everybody's going to accept it. But it's our job to tell. It's our job to go and tell. And sometimes that treacherous journey for us is simply going across the street to a neighbor that we've never spoken to. Yeah. Sometimes it's talking with that coworker who no one else likes. Yeah. Sometimes it's sitting down at the lunch table in a cafeteria where that kid is, is known as the kid who isn't popular for various reasons. Uh, there's all sorts of, of ways that we are faced uh, with challenging journeys of our own. Uh, and that's what we want to be about. It is the way uh, that we've been talking about in this sermon series. And all of the ways, <laughs> they're not stages. No. They're all built upon one another and, and they all rest on the way of resurrection. And so the way from here also has its root in the fact that Christ resurrected. And because of that, we can live in the power of resurrection. And so we hope and pray that this series has been uh, both encouraging and challenging for you. Uh, if you are a follower of Christ, we we pray that you are involved in a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching uh, body of believers where you live. Uh, and if you do not have a church home and you live in this area, we would love to talk with you about 
the numerous churches in Mercer County and the surrounding area who teach the Bible faithfully and live out the calling that we have discussed today. Uh, and so you can find us at 312 South Main Street here in Harrisburg, Kentucky. Uh, and, and we would be glad, as I said, to point you to a church that fits you in our area. Uh, so we, we, we love that you join us for this podcast. We, we hope it's a ministry to you. And uh, this has been the Sharing Our Journey podcast, a podcast ministry of Harrodsburg Baptist Church.